Hey, this is Matt Neiswanger of Oak Park Baptist Church in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Over summer of 2021, I was given the incredible opportunity to be able to speak to our students during our hour-long discipleship class on Sunday mornings. Over the summer, I chose to speak to the students about things that are happening in the world that are relevant um, and current and pressing in their lives right now. And to best make the topics as relevant as possible to the students, I actually opened up the floor and let them choose each topic for each week. So what you're about to listen to is a collection of topics that they chose themselves, things that they thought were relevant and really mattered to them. The title that we gave this entire series for the summer is Merit. And the reason that we chose merit is because the word merit actually means the quality of being particularly good or worthy, especially as to deserve praise or reward. We thought this was a fitting word to title our study, as that is truly what we're trying to do here. We're trying to find the merit in hard topics and things that are going on in the worlds around us. Throughout the study, we seek to answer four basic questions. The first question is, is this something that is relevant to the culture today? Second question is, what does the world have to say about this topic? The third, what does the Bible have to say about this? And lastly, what does this mean for me? Or how do I apply this to my life today? So we went through one of his books when I was in middle school or high school, your guys' age. And it's probably one of the, one of the more influential, if not the most influential, aside from the Bible, um, book that I've read. And I've read through it twice, and I'm reading through it right now, again, a third time. And it is just, it is phenomenal. It's beautifully written. It really makes you think. Yeah, so I thought it was going to be very Bible study-ish. Um, but it wasn't. It was, it was very eye-opening and refreshing and great read. But long story short, this is an ep- excerpt from that book. Okay, so we'll say like chapter 4 at the beginning, because it's from chapter 4, but it's not. All right, and we might go through this book as a group sometime eventually. Yes. Can you say the name of the book? Yes, the name of the book is Notes from a tilt World. So if you want a great book or you're interested in reading this book, I have spare copies. I would love to give it to you. Because um, yes. trust me, <laughs> Notes from a tilt World. Just yeah. confirming our Yeah, you did. Uh, trust me, you'll read the first chapter and, like, not even the first chapter, the first paragraph, and you'll be like, this is crazy good. All right. Uh, and he's funny, too. Sweet. So, yeah, we're talking about anxiety and depression. And we'll come back to that video. It will relate. Grace, doing it for you, okay? The video will relate to what we're talking about. So don't be sitting here thinking the entire time. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so you guys think that anxiety and depression is something that is relevant to us today? Getting a lot of notes. I'm assuming they're sarcastic notes. Um, yes. How so? Well, let me show you some charts. Please do. Yeah, charts. I love charts. What we're about to watch uh, is by probably an author, a theologian. He's kind of like a theologian and philosopher uh, combined. Uh, his name is Andy Wilson. Major depressive, depressive episodes in adolescence. So this isn't like you're being diagnosed with depression. This is just like if you have a depressive episode, which who knows what that means, okay? But Indiana, 14% and up. We're top of the charts. 
Alright? That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I lived I lived in Maine for a large portion of my life. 14% and up. So if you're 65, uh, you can kind of see this chart kind of drops down like this, okay? For the most part. But look at orange, okay? So this, these are mild depression cases in ages 11 through 65, and it's going up, okay? And then same with like minimal depression, okay? It's going up. Moderate depression kind of stays the same. Severe depression tends, tends to kind of go down a little bit, okay? But you would think, I, I thought, kind of before I started studying this, that like this age range would be high and that it would like decrease the older you got. But studies, and this isn't the only chart that showed this, right? You can look this up anywhere. Uh, it's actually not. You know, it's like, it's a little bit better, but it's still for the majority, like 25% of people ages 65 and up struggle, struggle moderately or have, get diagnosed with moderate depression. That's, that's, a, that's like one in four. Um, that's a lot. And that's just moderate depression, right? So there's a lot of people uh, that struggle with depression, and it's not just your age range, okay? Your age range is definitely the highest, um, or yeah, definitely the highest, but a lot of people struggle with it, and it doesn't get better. It's not something you just wait out uh, sometimes. So there's some just facts about depression, but that shows you that depression and anxiety, it shows you that it's something that matters. Um, and people, people here, in this room struggle with it. People here in this church struggle with it, okay? Uh, I've struggled with being depressed. Uh, some of your pastors here uh, struggle with anxiety and depression. And some of the students here struggle with anxiety and depression, okay? And it's nothing uh, to be ashamed of, okay? It's just fact, right? Like something that we as humans struggle with. It's a problem, and it's relevant to us. That's why I think it's great that we're going to be talking about it, okay? Uh, so what are some specific ways that you guys see this is relevant to your lives? You don't have to get personal. You can just say whatever. Yes. Depression medicine ads on TV. Go further. Okay. So <laughs> pharmace like pharmaceuticals, these people who make... So here's the next chart. 
Alright, depression, depression results by age. This is if you actually have been uh, diagnosed with depression. How else? <laughs> Do any of your friends struggle with depression and anxiety? And have they talked to you about it before? Ever? Yes? Um, some of you guys may have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression. Uh, do you guys, do you guys hear songs written about anxiety or depression at all? Being sad, being anxious. Yeah, for sure, it's big, okay? Um, I think probably almost every single artist, um, whether they've released the song to the public or not, has probably written something about uh, depression and anxiety before, or at least mentions it in one of their songs somewhere, okay? Uh, it's very, very relevant. Uh, I don't think we need to spend too much time on that because I think it's clear. Um, so unlike last week, uh, where I couldn't find a lot of information about tattoos and piercings, right? It was almost the complete opposite this week, right? Uh, there are tons of studies done. Um, everybody has their own opinion on anxiety and depression, okay? So I'm just gonna read us some stats here, okay? We're gonna do something a little bit different this week because uh, I wanna get you guys involved more. Um, but I'm gonna read us some stats here just so that you guys can understand. This is what the world is noticing, what they're seeing, and what they have to say about anxiety and depression, okay? So 50% of all lifetime cases of mental illness, specifically anxiety and depression, uh, begin developing before age 14. 75% of those, or uh, 75% of all lifetime mental illnesses case, cases um, begin by age 24, okay? Um, so 50% so before age 14, and then 75% of them will be developed by age 24, and then the rest of them will come after age 24, okay? Uh, it is the second leading cause of death in youth ages 10 to 14, right? Uh, sorry, 10 to 24, okay? Which we talked a few weeks ago about social media and how cyberbullying was one of the leading causes, right? And how social media plays into all that, right? And depression and everything. So it's all kind of tied together. 50% um, of students age 14 or older will drop out of high school blaming it on anxiety or depression. And 70% of youth in state and local juvenile systems um, will say that they are in there and a, in, and a credit being in there to anxiety or depression, okay? Um, and then there are six leading causes for anxiety and depression that the world would say. Okay, the number one is stress. Uh, and this, covers a lot of things, right? This can be stress about work, school, friends, church, whatever, okay? But it's stress. And sometimes, uh, again, this is what I'm, I'm pulling off of uh, the internet online, New York Times or wherever, okay? Uh, sometimes they say that it is hard, really hard for students uh, and teens to realize that they are stressed um, because you don't know how to recognize that you're stressed. Um, 
Not always. Okay. Uh, second leading cause uh, are changes, sudden changes. So depression and anxiety like skyrocketed during COVID, um, and most of that, aside from the fact that you had to be like locked in your house, but it was a giant change all of a sudden, right? Your regular scheduled life uh, changed in like the matter of a few days. Um, like I was super. If the leading cause is stress, right? When COVID hit and I got back from church on a Wednesday night and had to go to a meeting on campus and they told me that I had two days to pack up all my stuff and find some place to live, uh, I was a little stressed out um, because that's an abrupt change and my whole life at that point was just like, what's happening? Um, so it caused a lot of stress. Uh, so yeah, COVID played a huge role into that and if you want to look at a chart about it, I didn't download one, but you can go and just Google depression rates during COVID and it's like off the charts. Um, uh, yeah, so changes in a job, right? If you get promoted, uh, if you get demoted, if you have to, if you get fired and you have to change a job or you just want to quit a job, right? That change can lead to depression and anxiety. Uh, if you have to move somewhere, uh, again, it all has to change, okay? And then the third cause is finances. So you guys probably don't have to worry about this one as much, um, but the older you get, uh, some of you guys might be dealing with this, okay? Finances can lead to being depressed and can lead you to have, to be really, really anxious. Um, I mean, Danny and I, we've gone through that. I think probably almost every single married couple, unless you're like, I don't know. The Kardashians. The, yeah, the, the Prince of Wales or whatever. Um, you, you, you deal with a time when you get married, right? Uh, you're not the wealthiest. Uh, and money's tight. And it can lead to severe anxiety. And that can lead to depression. So finance is the third leading cause. The fourth is relationships. Uh, this could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, husband, wife, a crush, friends. So yeah, when uh, when Susie breaks Ryan's heart and he has her tattoo across his his heart. He could be depressed about that. Like, Why did I get this dumb tattoo? Should have listened to Matt. Um, oh, no. Alright. Uh, nope. Two more. Uh, however many weeks ago it was, we talked about pride. Okay? That's where a lot of that comes from. Um, and I would be willing to say that hmm, probably 80%, if not more, uh, people who are actively living in the LGBTQ plus world, right, and promoting that, you know, living that lifestyle, uh, they're probably struggling a lot with anxiety and depression, um, because... They're living their life as someone that they're not, and they're constantly having to worry about 
all these things, right? Changes, uh, relationships, uh, stress, right? Like it's going to put somewhere, right? If you turn and live that lifestyle, someone in your life, a relationship you have with someone in your life uh, is going to be strained and stressed and possibly even broken because of that. Um, and I know a lot of people uh, who are living that lifestyle and their parents are super against it. And so they like break ties with their parents and they'll tell you that they're fine with that and they're free from it and it's so freeing. Um, but in the years to come, I bet you that'll change. Number five is self. Uh, it's how you view yourself. Uh, this has to do with playing the comparison game, talking about social media, right? If you're constantly comparing yourself to others around you, you can become depressed because you will realize that you're not like them, and rightly so. And you can just be like, wow, that sucks. Or you can be anxious about the way you look or the way you think people are looking at you. Right, this is where the whole like, love yourself, accept yourself, and it may be not even parents, it might be just close friends too, right? And okay, so lastly, number six leading cause is the test. And the test is uh, the test that you take to become diagnosed with anxiety or depression, right? And that is, they, they list that as a leading cause of anxiety and depression because they recognize the fact that the test is flawed, okay? Um, and the test is not right. Uh, you can go, anybody can go in tomorrow, uh, say that they're struggling with depression and anxiety because what we talked about on Sunday was horrible and all we talked about was death and depression and dying horses. So now, so now I'm depressed, now I'm anxious, and I'm gonna go in and get tested for depression and anxiety and you can come back next week and be on seven different medications and be listed as a moderately depressed teenager. And now you're a statistic, okay? So they recognize the fact that the test is flawed because anybody can go in and take the test, uh, be looked at by a psychologist or whatever, and get diagnosed with depression, okay? Uh, the book that they use to base a lot of these tests off of, the most commonly, where how they kind of compare it, uh, is the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, fifth edition, okay? Or DSM-5, for short, okay? Um, and it is, it is pretty flawed, okay? So people can be, anyone can be diagnosed, um, and you can be misdiagnosed because of that, right? So my sister, um, I don't know, a few years ago, she, my sister was like happy person and very joyful and didn't really complain about things. Um, but slowly, gradually, we started noticing that she was tired a lot. Uh, she ran out of energy really quick and her mood, she got like really moody. Um, which she was a teenage girl, so I don't know. <laughs> that comes with being a teenage girl. But extra yeah. moody, okay? Um, and so if you Google those symptoms, right, you're most likely going to be told that you are depressed or you're struggling with anxiety, um, which she could have been. 
okay? So we went to see a doctor. I didn't. My mom and my sister went to see a doctor. And through a variety of tests, uh, they told us she was anemic, uh, which is yeah, just a common health issue that people have. Uh, it's more common in, in girls than guys, but anybody can have it. Um, and long story short, the doctor sent her home with medicine to help her feel better, and it was an antidepressant. And so we got home, and we're like, what the heck? This is an antidepressant. And so uh, it was weird, okay? And I don't think, uh, I don't really remember what happened next. I don't know if we like, my mom called the doctor back and was like, what the heck? Or if like we just, my sister just didn't take that, uh, we went and saw somebody else. Uh, I think that's what happened. I think we, like, she didn't take it and we went and saw somebody else and they like gave her iron which is what you need when you're anemic. And yeah, mind blown, all of a sudden she's better, okay? Um, yeah, but you know, she was tired, she was moody, she wasn't herself, she had like lack of energy, and it would lead anyone to think that she was depressed, right? I remember like walking downstairs one morning and like my sister was just like almost asleep on the table, just like head down, and that was like totally not normal. Uh, and I think anybody would have walked in and could have been like, wow, that looks like a depressed person. So that's kind of what the world has to say about these things. Um, and that's why the test is flawed, okay? So the solutions, I'm just gonna kind of go through these real quick, okay? Leading solutions, go see a psychologist, okay? Uh, that's the number one leading solution to anxiety and depression, right? That's the number one thing that people are most likely to recommend is that you go see a psychologist or a therapist, someone who is going to break past this mental illness and free your mind and get you to love and accept yourself and who you are, okay? Second one is medication, right? Antidepressants. Um, but medication can come in, in many different forms, okay? Um, they rarely work. Um, and there's not like one medication that like fixes all. So they're constantly coming up with different things, okay? Like fidget spinners, uh, meditation, dieting, getting out in the sun more, uh, getting more friends or changing friends, okay? Uh, changing your environment where you live. Uh, CBD, right? Which we'll talk about in a few weeks, okay? It's also known as marijuana. Uh, yeah, you can go and get tested, right? I know this from working at ReCenter, okay? Like, guys who struggle with marijuana addictions uh, will go to a, to a psychologist or somewhere, get diagnosed with depression, say that smoking marijuana helps their depression, and then they can get a medical marijuana license, and they're free to smoke marijuana and not get arrested for it, okay? So, the test is flawed. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the leading, I guess there's really two there, solutions. Psychology, go see a psychologist or therapist and get on some sort of meds to fix the problem. Um, so, before we transition into what the Bible has to say about this, okay, I wanna just set this like pretext, okay? These words, anxiety and depression, get abused a lot, okay? So I know I do this, right? I tend to abuse the word depression 
in saying like, I'm really sad. Like, I could say that I'm depressed that the six foot 10 horse died. I'm not actually depressed. The six foot, I, I'm sad, maybe, not really, but I can say that I'm sad about it, okay? Um, but I'm not, I'm not, it's not leading me to become depressed, okay? Depression is, is a severe state of prolonged, like, sadness and sorrow and just, like, bleh, okay? Um, and then same thing with anxiety, okay? I don't think we understand the severity of anxiety. Uh, we don't we don't take it at its fullest meaning. So just be careful when using those words, okay? And then um, some of us, there's a tendency for some of us to play off anxiety and depression as nothing. Uh, like it, it's not really real. That depression is just someone who's sad. Anxiety is just someone who's worried, and it doesn't really matter. You just need to get over it. Like. Go drink a Red Bull and be happy. Okay? Yes, question. Not really to the second point, but to the first point. When, so when the Diagnostic Statistic Manual came out originally, for depression, I don't know about for anxiety, but for depression, one of the qualifications under whether or not you were depressed was if your sadness and your sorrow was unexplained. You couldn't point back to a time dad died, when my dog died, when I got fired, like anything like that, because, you know, they would look back and be like, okay, a sudden change happened in your life, and you're sad, like, you're mourning a loss, like, that's normal, and then they added, they took that out of, I don't know which version it was, but they took out, I think it was of the third version, and so that's when the statistics started going up, because people could tell you when they started getting depressed or sad, but it, like they could explain why. So, and I think that's why it's so easy to abuse the word depressed is because it's kind of like within our culture now. Yeah, so the exact definition for depression is the feeling of severe despondency and dejection. Despondency. <laughs> and the definition for anxiety A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an inanimate event or something uncertain, or something with an uncertain outcome. Okay. All right. Well, now let's transition and talk about what does the Bible have to say about depression and anxiety? Okay. God cares a lot about depression and anxiety. Okay. Uh, all throughout the Bible, we see that He really does. He recognizes the fact that we are human, right? And we are not God. And we are going to struggle with depression and anxiety. Uh, the most commonly repeated command in the Bible is to fear not, okay? Uh, which can easily be applied to either anxiety or depression. So you can read countless verses, right? Uh, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Um, we can read countless verses and see in various ways throughout the Bible um, where God is talking about depression, right? You can read stories of Job, right? Severely depressed. Jonah, depressed. Uh, you have uh, Moses and the Israelites. Uh, they went through depression when they're wandering around in the wilderness. 
You have Elijah in the Old Testament who, who wandered, uh, who, who was literally escaping. He had like five different like rulers after him. It'd be like uh, Declan uh, is running from Russia, China, Canada, the U.S., and uh, Mexico. Okay, and he's, and he's running across the Siberian wasteland, and and they're all after him. Okay, I think he would be anxious and maybe a little depressed. Okay, and that that's the state that Elijah was in. Okay, and so he was anxious and he was depressed, and and you can read stories about that. Okay, and it's it's not like. God struck him down or like cast him out because he was depressed. No, right? Like we're humans. It's part of our sin. It's part of our sin nature. It's part of being a human. Okay. So it's a real thing and we should be aware of it and we should be ready to talk about it and embrace it and see what the Bible has to say about it. Okay. So we could do what we typically do and kind of go back through what the world has to say about depression and anxiety and find Bible verses to counteract those things. But I don't want to do that because uh, I think it's too easy for a topic like this, okay? Because the Bible has so much to say about it. Um, so I want to ask you guys questions, and I want you guys to come up with specific answers to, like, refute these questions, okay? So the first question I'm going to ask is, where do you think depression and anxiety stem from? Where does depression and anxiety come from? Okay? I want you to use your Bible. 1 Corinthians 7.33 says, But the married man is anxious about worldly things, so I think it comes from worldly things sometimes. I don't think it always comes from the same place. Necessarily. Yeah. So 1 Corinthians 7.33, But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Yeah. I mean, there you go. That can be one example of where anxiety can come from. Caroline. Uh, I mean, obviously, Matthew 25 through 34, literally titled, Do Not Be Anxious. Um, do you want me to read? That what is it? Matthew uh, 6, 25 through 34. Yeah, you go ahead and read. Their 
sit in that and like yeah. yeah yeah no totally it says be anxious for nothing but in everything pray and and let your request be made known unto God right it doesn't say just don't be anxious about nothing and you're good right it, it gives you the solution here right like with thanksgiving and, and by prayer and supplication right like do you guys remember what supplication passage that Caroline read yes says, or I think it was that one says do not be anxious that is a command I know that that is in there if it wasn't that passage I think it was but it is a command and it's not just try not to be anxious it says do not Right. So this this is an answer to another common question, okay, of uh, how do you deal with a friend who is clearly living in sin, claiming they are depressed or anxious? Or another question could be, oh, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression. Um, there must be sin in my life. I must be sinning in some way. And so I need to figure out where I'm sinning so my anxiety and depression goes away, okay? So I think that God can most definitely use anxiety and depression to kind of like shake us and wake us up and, and help us realize that living a life apart from him is a life that is not worth living, okay? Um, if you are living in active rebellion to God, you should be anxious and you should be depressed. You should feel like Declan running through the Siberian wilderness with China, United States, Canada, Mexico, and Russia chasing them, okay? Um, because you're running from the creator of the universe, okay? And you should be anxious and depressed about that. Um, that prayer can also heal our sickness, right? Our wandering from God. And confessing our sins can lead to healing, right? Because there could be something in us that is keeping us from God, that is keeping us from realizing that we need God, okay? Or we could realize it and we could be choosing to not live like that um, because we want to live in rebellion to God. And God is like, okay, fine. I'm going to give you over to your own heart then. I'm going to let you go out and buy your motorcycle and you can run and you're 14 years old. Go ahead and buy it. Let me know how that works out for you, right? And then Caroline winds up in the hospital with four broken arms and, uh, and right and now she's depressed because she just spent six thousand uh, dollars she spent her life saving up for this thing and it's broken now and she thought it would bring her all this happiness and it's not there anymore right so God can use those things so three quick applications that we can have hope in God right it goes back to the video that we watched at the beginning, right? That we can we can put our trust in the Creator, right? He said it's like we're living we're living in a Shakespearean play, and we can trust Shakespeare, right? Shakespeare knows the whole play, and we're just one little piece in it, right? Second application point: Christ died for us, and we have salvation in Him. Romans five eight. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, okay? So, God loves us so much that even before we ch that even before we came to be in a relationship with Him, before we knew Him and accepted Him and, and realized that 
a life apart from Christ is worthless, right? He died for us. Okay? He loves us and cares for us that much. Okay? Again, it kind of goes to the passage that Caroline has written, right? Like, we can't add a hair to our head. Uh, let's do one more. You have a friend who is anxious, struggling with things in, or depression, and they're saying, hey, I've prayed, I've been reading my Bible, I've been, I've been praying with supplication, with thanksgiving, I've been letting my request be known to God, but it's not working. I'm still anxious, I'm still depressed, I'm still struggling with these things. So I think I'm just gonna go to a psychologist and get medicine and we're gonna call it good. And hopefully that will help, because nothing else is helping. What do you have to say to that person? Psalm 13. Yeah. So this is David. I don't know if he was in your list of depressed people. But no, he was. Well, yes, he is. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So I think, like, you know, some people, I mean, we will always be struggling with sin until, like, we die and the Lord comes. Um, and some people struggle with sorrow daily for their lives, like the rest of their lives. But this passage specifically, like David's making known to the Lord, like, I'm weary. I am broken. I don't understand why this is taking so long. But at the end, he's saying, like, but I trust in you, and I trust in your love. And I know you are steadfast, which means like, he's not going to stop. Like, God is always going to be there. And it's, his love is always going to be by our side. And so I think there's hope to be found in that to kind of steer them away from relying on medicine, because then that gets to another <coughs> Yeah, so um, a great example that I, that I had, um, that I have, right, is let's say that uh, Caroline, uh, Caroline <laughs> loves motorcycles. <laughs> she she absolutely loves motorcycles, okay? And she wants to get a motorcycle so badly. Um, and and her stingy dad, right, won't let her get a motorcycle um, because they're dangerous, they're unsafe, and she's gonna kill herself, okay? It's the conversation I've already had. But but her dad her dad told her that once you have a stable job. And once you have saved up for a motorcycle, and once you have moved out of the house, uh, you can get, you know, you, you, are, you are your own person, you're on your own, you can do whatever you want, okay? So Caroline, how old is Caroline? 14. 14. Caroline's 14, okay? Let's say she moves out of the house at 18, okay? She has to wait four years, okay? She, and then at that four years, right, she can, she can go and she can go take a test, right? 
and, and the test is a few weeks long, and she has to do the test, and she's working, she's saving up money, she's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting. That day finally comes, she can get the motorcycle. It's going to be the best thing ever, okay? And it would be a lot better, that day will be a lot better than if she and her dad went out tomorrow and bought a motorcycle. She'd still be excited about it, right? She'd still be happy and be like, yeah, I'm motorcycle now, right? But how much sweeter and greater will it be after she's waited four years, she's worked for it, and she's now finally able to get it, right? And sometimes I think that's kind of like the way that the Lord works with us, right? Is that we, he, he, left, he, he waits for us, right, to keep praying and to be consistent and to be constant. And it, it's hard, okay? It's really, Caroline can have days where she's like, you know what, Dad? I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to buy. I have all the money. I'm just going to go buy it, right? But then she goes and buys it, and she can't drive it because she's 14, and she can't get insurance on it, and she doesn't know how to ride it, so she crashed on the way home, and now it's a broken motorcycle, and she was excited, but it left pretty quickly, okay? So trusting in, the, in God's timing is a huge, huge aspect to this, okay? Um, I, want to, I want to touch on one more thing before we head out, and I'll give oh, one more thing, and then we'll talk about three application points, and they'll be done, Okay? Uh, when, when it comes to dealing with depression and anxiety, uh, the, the number one most important thing that we have to do is get to the heart of the matter, okay? Uh, most, most times, not all times, but most times, uh, it's not a mind issue, okay? It's not, it's not a mental issue, okay? Most times, it's a heart issue. And there is something going on in our hearts, in our lives, that we need to work out. It can be very deep, right? It can be very, very, very deep. It could be any number of sins, pride, jealousy, lust, anger. It can be bitterness. It can be any one of those things, okay, that is leading us to be anxious or depressed, okay? We need to get down to the heart. And this is where talking to a friend, uh, me, Mr. Logan, Danny, Brian, Anna, right? You're, you're in a church, you're in a room of people who I would love to talk to any one of you about any of this, okay? And I can probably say the same thing about Danny and Mr. Logan, okay? Any one of us in this room would love to talk to you about this, right? You have friends in this room that I'm sure would love to talk to you about these things, okay? Because we want to help you see these things, okay? And we don't want to see you walk down the path of going to a doctor and getting put on a hundred different medications, trying to fix the problem, and it's not gonna help because it's a heart issue, okay? So get so have hope in God, right? Recognize the fact that Christ died for us and we have sal we can find salvation and if you haven't already found it, right, find salvation in him, or if you have found it, right, remind yourself that you have salvation in Christ and it's a matter of the heart, right? Get to the heart of the matter, okay? Um, and I think that will help you guys a lot when you struggle with anxiety and depression, okay? Because every single one of you will struggle with it at some point in your life. Yet, God cares for us, and he is in control of all those things, okay? And last...
We hope you enjoyed our talk. If you have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, the best way to reach us is at matt.nicewanger at oakparkbaptistchurch.com. You can find that email in the description or by going to oakparkbaptist.com. If you're interested in more content like this, check out some of the other episodes that we have listed and stay tuned for more episodes coming.